You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're looking at the final two episodes of The Invisible Man. Starting with the first episode, Power Play. A man named Pike bypasses the security of the Clay Corporation and gets to Walter's office. He seems to know everything there is about the security precautions Walter has in place. He even knows about the Clay resource. Everything except what it actually is. At gunpoint, he forces Walter to reveal that it is the secret of invisibility and that he is the Invisible Man. Pike has to not see it, to believe it, though, and Walter explains that he can only remove his dermoplast fake skin with the help of the Boffins, Dan, and Kate Weston. Walter tries to come to an understanding with Pike to learn how he knows about the security and the clay resource. He gets his answer. Pike is clinically insane and an escapee from an asylum for the criminally insane. His cellmate, was none other than Morgan Clay, former board member of the Clay Corporation. They go into the lab, and still at gunpoint, Walter is forced to become invisible. He attempts a ruse that, while invisible, you can still see him and interact with him because the dermoplast shell remains behind in the machine. In the control room, Dan slips off his clothes and tries unsuccessfully to wrestle the gun from Pike. He fails and is shot in the process. Carlson still tries to sell his story. Yes, that was him trying to wrestle the gun away. Pike now believes that invisibility is a reality, but he's not sold on the story Carlson is spinning. You see, because he's clinically insane, Pike is a human lie detector, and he can tell when they're lying. He knows they're both telling the truth and lying, probably in an attempt to escape or overpower him. He demands another demonstration, this time strictly under his control. Dan, however, collapses from his bullet wound, which he's been concealing. The truth comes out. Pike sees that parts of Dan are invisible. Dan still maintains the ruse that he needs the equipment to release the dermoplast mask and gloves. Kate has her I am woman, hear me roar moment, and then goes to operate the equipment to Dan's specifications. Dan pretends that the equipment has released his dermoplast, and he goes invisible. He performs a few tricks on Pike's command, and then the equipment blows up because Kate overloaded it. Using the distraction, Dan clubs Pike over the head with a chair. All's well that ends well. Pike is sent back to the mental institution, and Dan and Kate are indentured to the Clay Corporation even longer so they can pay off the equipment <laughs> they broke. The happy face of American compassionate capitalism smiles on them from their corporate overlord. The end. All right, power play. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked it. I, I, it was okay. It was okay. I think it, it was, uh, I don't know, it perhaps was a little long for an hour-long episode. But, uh, you um, know, for a bottle episode, it was good, you know? I'll tell you what, for it is the lamest flashback episode ever. Oh, with the, uh, the videos that they called about yeah. Terminal? Yeah. 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 It's like, look, right, come on. here's a video of nothing. And You're going to do nothing? a flashback show. You might as well at least get 25 to 35 minutes of flashbacks in your 45 to 50 minutes of the show. They got about what? One? Yeah, well, it's. Maybe I don't two? think that was the point of, of having all the, the, the video of you know, the previous uh, escapades. I, I actually thought that's where it was going. Really? When they went, got know. to the terminal all of a sudden and... He goes, all right, here's some videos of things in action. And I'm like, really? We're, this is going to be a clip show? 12 episodes in and this is going to be a clip show? <laughs> I, that was probably part of it. And the other part was, uh, you know, people are going to get kind of bored with having out of context floating objects. <laughs> you know, it's like, but, oh, okay, that's, yeah, I remember that one. I, I missed that one because the lights were out that day. And I had burned that I, I missed that one, too. I don't know. I don't know. Because if you look at old Disney cartoons or, or, or other, 
cartoons way, way back in the black and the white day. Wow. You know, those cartoons, all they had to do was to have their characters go up and down and up and down and up and down, and the audiences just ate it up. So I'm thinking in the 1970s, seeing things float along through the air might have been... Yeah, I don't think so. Wow, did they do that? Not that yeah. you couldn't see the string in one of these episodes. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> working against it was that they had Monty Markham as a guest star. Yeah, he was great as a crazy guy. <laughs> Monty Markham is an interesting actor. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that he will die in the recording studio or on stage. Mm. He has, he's he's still in stuff. Yeah. Um and and he's got a look to him. You know, I mean he's he's not a I guess you would call him a classically handsome guy, but mm-hmm. he has got such a twisted sardonic sneer to his face, no matter what show he's in. Yeah. And and resting sneer face. Yeah, resting sneer face. <laughs> and uh and, and I always liked him. In you know, in stuff that I've seen him in, but you'd have a hard time picturing him as the hero of mm-hmm. a show. Yeah. Although, although he was the star of the first attempt at a revival series, the new Perry Mason. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah. Well, I don't think it lasted long. <laughs> nope. Hmm. And and he gives a a, a given this. You could go into this episode. And you could think that he was a highly trained CIA agent or operative mm-hmm. or because he, he's competent. He's gotten through the security. He's done his research. He's well-spoken. Uh, you know, he knows stuff that only an R5 security classification yep. would know. And um, for it to then evolve out to the fact that he's actually a madman. He's probably a genius, but he's insane. You know, could, so he, that could be. Yeah, I think from you know, we obviously don't know how much time it's been between uh, Morgan Clay going into the the uh, asylum and now or Arkham. <clears throat> there you go, or whatever the West Coast variety is. Coast, yes. Uh, so you know, who knows how long he's had to you know soak up the information. I, I got to say, I think my probably my biggest problem with that is that um, whereas I didn't think Morgan Clay was an incompetent board of director, director of the board, I should say, mm-hmm. like his brother. Right. Um, I certainly didn't think that his powers of recall and knowledge were so good that he would know every security precaution in Walter's <laughs> office. I'm going to go with the idea that the uh, head of security, the ex-head of security, was also there. <laughs> both both criminally insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we did, <laughs> listeners, astute listeners will recall that we did point out that it seemed awfully weird that at the end they said, what's going to happen to Morgan? I think he's going to be put in an asylum. Yeah, be committed. Could be committed. Yeah, it's like, and we were both like, really? That seemed to me pretty straightforward. Yeah. Jail. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's it. That, that didn't strike me as one you could get an insanity defense off of. No, that's seriously that premeditated. Premeditated, calculated, power mm-hmm. play. Fratricide. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, it's not fratricide if you're killing no, your isn't. sister, is it? What uh, is it if you're killing your sister? Ooh. Let's see. Fraternal and... It's not maternal. That's... Is it... Is it... Um, so... Soft... I have a feeling it's probably something to do with, uh, yeah. Oh well, <laughs> listeners, look it up and leave a comment and uh, and and let us know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> exactly. Um, there we go. That's, that's going to bug me for the rest of the podcast, um, probably for weeks, weeks on end. Um, okay, so we'll be talking about the man from Atlantis in a few weeks, and I'll be like, "What is it? It's not fraternal, Dad. It? It's it's uh, Soricide. Ah, okay. Yeah, wow. You know, I have actually not heard that word before. Well, I was I was <laughs> going for sorority or self. Yeah, that, the yeah, variation that makes sense. of that. Yeah, sorority. Sorority. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I don't have to. Uh, you learn something oh, new what a here relief. today, people. Exactly. What a relief. Huh. 
Don't say you never got anything useful out of this. Yeah, podcast. exactly. <laughs> well, I would say that uh, Walter needs a, a commendation for quick thinking. I'll give him this. That yeah. was that was a good try. It was a good try. I guess once he realized the guy was clinically insane, he thought he could throw one over on him. Um, well, you know, everything he said had enough, uh, you know, it had that air of, of possible. So, uh, Before I forget this, you want to know what cracked me up about having the air of possible? What? Was the, the lengths they went to try to explain why they had video in this episode. It's like, why did he only show him those? Or why did he only call up those oh, yeah. clips? And and Dan, I think it was Dan said, because those are the only ones that Walter was involved in where he would have the opportunity to record the events. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but Walter wasn't. Well, he wasn't like there at the embassy or hotel or whatever it was. Yeah, he, he was lurking someplace. He had maybe an operative doing it. I don't know. So... That I, but you know how that goes. Usually, when you watch stuff like that, you on a show, you kind of yeah. go, "There was no camera. How could they have gotten that?" Exactly. And For so once, I would like to see that. The writer actually thought of it and threw it out there as a line of dialogue. And they even did another line of dialogue later when he showed him him becoming invisible. Mm-hmm. He said, "Yeah, the lab used to have a whole bunch of cameras in it, and or we had all cameras in the lab, and then and Mark." Uh, Pike's character starts kind of looking around for the cameras and go, no, no, we took them all out because of security. But mm-hmm. it's like, so we're not recording this right now. So yeah. it's just back then we were recording absolutely everything that happened, despite the fact that nobody seemed to know what was going on. Um, <clears throat> except for Dan. But anyway, so I appreciate that. Anyway, okay, yes. Yep. Uh, Walter, quick thinking, good job. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole bit about the dermoplast not coming off, but the lasers it it was a good it was a good try it was a good try i have to say at the point when he he tried the bit where the dermaplast will stay here in the machine <laughs> as a sort of after image and uh at, whereas i'll be free to move around the room invisibly was a bridge too far <laughs> especially when it talked to them and yeah. interacted yeah, that was that was, was like, okay, well, he lost it there. In fact, that's me over there lifting the chair. I'm clouding your mind. Ah, yes. <laughs> give, you know, give him some points there. Give him some points for that one, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I think that uh, uh, Walter Carlson's character actually had some pretty good potential. And as, you know, the the, 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 the handler, I guess you would call it, controller, whatever, I, I I think that's kind of rare in TV shows. Yeah, he 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 did actually kind of bring something to the equation. Like, did Oscar Goldman have a lot to offer? Uh, yeah, series? he did actually. So yeah. Once in a while, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, he'd be out in the field helping out, uh, particularly towards the later years when Oscar got a lot more popular. Mm. Uh, he was he was on the ground quite a bit. So it's those glasses he wore. Oh, those great glasses! Those great glasses. <laughs> I need a pair of those. Um, Make sure they have the spring temples on them. You're going to break them when you're trying oh, yeah. to whip them off your face. Oh, yeah. The Oscar <laughs> Goldman clutch. <laughs> so it's, we're talking about the terrific. Invisible Man here. Yes, and, uh... that was it. The Invisible Man. <laughs> and the fact that just two weeks ago, Dan, the Invisible Man, beat up four armed <laughs> guards all by his lonesome. And in this episode, he completely and utterly fails to take on one armed crazy guy with two other people in the room who should have jumped him too. Yeah, I, I don't understand that part. Is and it because he could walk the behind him? Why not pick they're... up a chair and smack him? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, maybe the they were short on pages when the writer was doing this and says, "Ah, eh, well, that, I got up something else." Well, I, or maybe there was a joke I mean. they wanted to put in. Hmm? I think that's it. I think. Like I said, it felt to me like this was running a little too long. I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I felt like they had to drag it a little too far. And so, you know, even like showing the clips and everything, it just, it felt like we're, you know, we're about 10 pages short on this script. So mm-hmm. uh, let's let's work some stuff in there. Yeah. So I think that was the, that was the big one. Um, let's see. I like that Morgan Clay got a... a... A mention in this. It's like, ooh, I, I, think it's more than, 
I think it's more to mention. I think that they did the they mentioned they were going to commit him earlier, knowing that this was coming, <laughs> because okay. it was so out of place, right? I mean, it was just completely and utterly wrong oh, to you say know, you they were going to commit there. Ah, one would be smart to figure out what the production schedule was for this. Yeah, were they shut out of order? So I I don't know, but you know, right. do they this, have the this same is writers? Like proto story arc. I know. In my notes, I have story arc and a couple exclamation Whoa. points. <laughs> Whoa. Like, Whoa. A callback that actually had consequences in, in mm-hmm. the episode. Because obviously Morgan Clay, committed as he is to an insane asylum, but not really insane, just a diabolical mastermind, is going to spill uh-huh. it all to a crazy guy in his cell. Well, yeah, he might. Who knows? He's bored. Maybe he has a plan. You know, in the second season, maybe we would have seen more of Morgan being arch nemesis. <laughs> Unfortunately, he probably would have been like the bad guy, man from Atlantis. In a wheelchair with a cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. A slightly invisible cat, perhaps. Hmm. No, that's going too far. So I think it's interesting that they've managed to recreate invisibility. That was in this episode, wasn't it? Uh, recreate it? Remember yes. he said he had an yes. invisible Exactly. He's got an invisible bunny. guinea pig. Yeah. Hmm. But who did he say that to? Because maybe that was in the next episode. I don't know. But it was it was definitely. Um, yeah, no, it was in the next episode. So anyway, sorry about that. We'll come back Oops. to the invisible guinea pig. Just forget you heard that. Totally forget you heard that. Yep. It was, there was nothing going on here uh, about that. Uh, there was the line in this one, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about... Because they they started the episode off with Dan and Kate getting a special commendation. And, you know, they've got, I think he said 30-some potential cases. And and many of them were over a million dollars contracts. And basically he kind of told Dan, you know, don't hurry solving your problem. Mm -hmm. Don't work too hard. Yeah, Don't work too hard solving your invisibility problem. And at the end of it, we see that bit where they say, well, you know, we're just we've extended your contract because of the equipment you busted, which is just absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I was I was <laughs> I took my breath away. I like, yeah, like oh, I can't <laughs> even believe you try that one as a joke. Man, you you know, oh, <laughs> oh, that was that was a not good, hmm. not good. The other thing that I did not like about this episode, and it's a minor thing, but the whole, I can tell when anyone's lying. Oh, that, yeah. That, that's a little, you know, that's a little too on the nose. That, that's in the same vein as, oh, I can't see, therefore I have super hearing. Here I'm not saying, now I can, I have superpowers of human perception. He just un- uh, irrationally does not believe anybody. That's not a superpower. That's paranoia. I was kind of wondering at the end if that was it, but Mm. except for one thing. What? He was right. Every time they lied to him, he he called them on it. Yeah. And when they told the truth, he he agreed with it without either with mention or without mention. Hmm. So I think he was supposed to be. Hmm. Well, maybe in a world that has disintegration beams. Uh, people can tell if, if you're lying by just talking to them. Fair enough. Or invisible yeah. people. <laughs> it, inv- yeah. Oh, boy. How did I not see that one? Ah! <laughs> oh. Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, also, we had in here that moment, and, it, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say it wasn't appropriate, but at the same time, it was very 1970s when Kate decides it's time to stamp my foot and say, I'm not the damsel in distress here. <laughs> She's the doctor as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she gave him that little speech about I'm in this. It's not just because I'm somebody's wife and his mother. Mm-hmm. And, and you could really feel the vibe of the 70s women's libs, libs, women's lib movement at that time coming across in the writers like yeah you guys i could see him writing this fist in the ha- in the air 
you know, doing the power gesture. And uh, <laughs> it was, but it didn't really fit in his place. But I guess, you know, they have, to be fair to them, Kate is pretty good throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. You know, as a character, oh, yeah. she is not taken advantage of. She is, you know, maybe she's not as brilliant as Dan, but she is uh, a top-tier scientist in her own right. Yeah, she's no slouch. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you know, if there's anything wrong with that woman, it's her tipping. But uh... <laughs> Well, both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I, you know, I think Dan's got a little more self-consciousness about that. Um, <laughs> Maybe, I'm not sure. That time he asked for if she got a receipt. Yeah. That that's that. You don't say that to somebody in that situation. How much you tip? Twenty five cents. Did you get a receipt? You don't say that unless you're saying, "Oh, you big spender. I hope you got that cup." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they have lots of receipts. They give uh, give Walter. You know. Here's another. Here's another fifty cent receipt exactly. from the Westons for their tip at the hotel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So Dan rebuilt his invisible machine, mm-hmm. only to blow it up again. He'll get it right one day. I, you know, great. You know, I honestly thought, uh, because they had that scene at the beginning where he was testing a cure, mm-hmm. and he was looking at his stomach to see if he was becoming visible. Yeah. I thought there for a minute when... When they pulled back the shirt to look at the gun wound, that he was going to be there. Oh, that would be interesting. Uh, that was a, uh, huh? Yeah, that 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 should have been, been a shock to everybody. Down. Yes, I'm visible. Take off the mask. I'm visible under the mask. <laughs> <laughs> so well, so much for the clay resource. Well, you know, it's it's just that one patch. Could be that too. I mean, they were <laughs> just an abdomen. It just uh, floating it was interesting in space. that it was interesting that he got shot in the same place that they were using to demo that he was invisible earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that that made me uh, that made me think because they were, and of course they were holding back the reveal, which yeah. of course they were trying to hold back so that Pikes wouldn't see it. But mm-hmm. it could have been, you know, what a shock for the audience if that had come back and it was. It was visible. That would have been, uh, you know, what would they have done? What What would you do if your sole advantage in this world is that you're the invisible man? And then that's the day you look down and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Oops. This is bad. <laughs> this day is not going to end the same as yesterday. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-uh. No. Do you, uh, do you have anything else in this particular episode? Um, there were no planes. Uh, no, no planes, unfortunately. Um, I like the the terminal in Walter's office and in the uh, <laughs> and in the uh, the laboratory. Man, those old old teletypewriters! Boy, they got around. I guess they were still being used in some places in the seventies. Oh yeah, but I yeah, don't yeah, sure. think you could get a monitor for them. Everything was printed. Oh, I'm out. sure that monitor had nothing to do. Oh, with Oh yeah, that yeah, teletype. Yeah, you know TV stuff, but still. And it so wasn't it was on. If it was on, you would have heard it. They sound oh, like yeah. a freight train. Yeah, yeah, absolutely they do. So, all right. Well, if that's all we have on Power Play, then we need to go to uh, an attempt to save face. Mm-hmm. The final episode of The Invisible Man. And I, uh, I, I'd i like to just make a comment to the audience here. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, what was it today? 115, 116? Something like Fahrenheit. That. 100 and stupid. Yeah. 100 stupid. I think it might have been 43 Celsius. It was it was hot today, and uh, I didn't get to watch this till late in the day, and uh, and then we had pizza, and then there was like two conflicting things. There was me sitting down and writing up a good synopsis, or me going out in the pool, and um, I'm going to tell you it's pool one, Invisible Man zero. <laughs> Um, so there was so, an episode. And then... <laughs> oh, I got a synopsis. It's just you know not not necessarily one of our 
one of our better ones uh, here. So, and I also did not have the time to research something very important, uh, but but we can talk about that mm-hmm. uh, as we go through things. So, episode synopsis: an attempt to save face. Dr. Nick Maggio, inventor of dermaplast and creator of the lifelike mask Dan Weston, the invisible man, wears, is called to a hospital in Chicago for a bit of cloak and dagger surgery. He has been summoned by Chairman Rogin of the Union of Surrogate Soviets. All the dictators around the world are kind of old, and there's always some young guy trying to knock him off their perches. Although it is illegal in his country and counter to revolutionary principles, Rojan has decided that he needs a facelift, and he's come to America in the strictest secrecy to have it done by the very best, Dr. Maggio. Maggio drives a hard bargain, but Rojan agrees. His country will contribute more to the UN, stop selling weapons to the Middle East, release political prisoners being held, and allow Maggio to get his two special surgical assistants, Dr. Dan Weston, and his wife, Nurse Kate Weston, to help with his surgery. Success in this operation could be a major step towards world peace. When Rojan's personal doctor, and perhaps something more, Dr. Storoff, arrives, having been left out of the secret, she cancels his surgery, sedates Rojan so she can spirit him back to their country, and locks up Maggio. Comedy ensues as Dan must foil Dr. Storoff's plans to return Rojan to the Union of Surrogate Soviets by pretending to be Rojan, while Dr. Maggio performs the surgery on the real Rojan, and he must foil an assassination plot by Major Kolchak, his personal aide, and also one of those young guys trying to knock him off his perch. The end. Oh, by the way, it works out, and uh, world peace is assured. Yeah, for so, a week or um, two, maybe. For a week or two. <laughs> Was that supposed to be Brezhnev? It might as well be. They were speaking Russian. I know a few words of Russian, and ah. yeah, they said "krosho," uh, which which means good. At least a couple. Oh times yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. But also, the guy looked. I mean, the oh, bushy yeah, eyebrows, yeah. and I mean, they yeah. hired somebody that that looked. Like, and I think, and this is what I didn't look up. I think Brezhnev was the leader in '75. He was the leader. I think he took over while Nixon was in office. Gorbachev, uh, not Gorbachev, but Khrushchev copped it and then Brezhnev came in and it wasn't till around Reagan Carter or Reagan that that uh Brezhnev died so I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be Brezhnev yep. Brezhnev um, 64 to 82 82 so so Reagan Reagan because it was Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall so he mm-hmm. must have been must have been out at that point all right the central conceit of this... First off, Nick Maggio, totally different ag- actor <laughs> from the pilot. Um, Charles Aidman, always a popular character actor. Uh, seen him in dozens and dozens and dozens of things over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the substitutes for... Um, he was, I think, the main substitute for uh, Ross Martin in Wild Wild West when he was oh, out really? with his heart attack. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. The, William Shallert. Charles Aidman and uh, Alan Hale Jr. are the three that come to mind hmm. during during that period. But I think Charles Aidman was the one that did most of them. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy something. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, once again, detouring into the weeds of Ugh. television. And if you want to detour into the weeds, how about how about uh, Major Kolchak, played by Terry Kaiser? Does that man look familiar to you? Maybe a little. Would Oh, he was in a bazillion things, but amazingly enough, the most famous role he ever had was Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, you're kidding me, really? Nope. But I know you love that movie. I do love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. Huh. I'm sitting there looking at him going, I've seen that guy in a million things, but why what is it? And then like pops up in his IMDb page as the number one. It's like, Oh, he's Bernie Lomax. He's the corpse for two movies. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange role. <laughs> it's 
True. True. Very much true. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole the whole premise of this just cracks me up. I mean, the the Rojan is so. At the early part of the story, talking to Maggio, he's like, you know, we dictators are all old men. Mm-hmm. He says that. And then later when Maggio calls him a dictator, yeah. he says, do we have to use that word? And he's like, yeah, it's accurate. You're a dictator. Yep. Like, well, I'm a benevolent one. I'm the, I'm the U.S.'s best friend in that region. It's like, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so that and the fact that the it, it's so um i don't know I, I don't know what they're quite they're going for because there is the argument that says you americans are a bunch of vain people because you do things like this and the cult of personality is a bad thing which is mm-hmm. funny for the union of uh, soviet surrogates to <laughs> yeah. say because I'm pretty sure they were all a cult of personality, weren't they? <clears throat> Stalin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's trying to... They're, in a way, the writers are trying to make him sound reasonable. Like, I recognize the fact that a cult of personality is bad, mm-hmm. but I need to hold on to power, and I'm losing power because people think I'm too old. Yeah, so... So... I'm going to break the laws of my country because I'm the boss I can, and I'm going to go to America and I'm going to have a tuck. <laughs> right, because yeah, that's very anti-revolutionary, as one said. Yeah, is it? Out of that one. I, I don't know. Is it? I mean, is that a thing? I, and there's lots of weird things. Western are... decadence. Western, okay. I guess it could yeah. fall under Western decadence. Like having decadence. color. Yeah. Oh, or, and you, you mean know. skin tones? No, in clothes or buildings. Or oh, like oh, that, okay, Other than gotcha. drab, yes. drab earth okay. tones. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Good point. The Soviet Union was known for being a, a touch on the gray. Yeah, except for that red, the, the flag. That was about the only thing you could have a color in. Yeah, it or seemed the to be blood like, in the sidewalks. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely when you watch these shows, uh, everybody who's from uh, what c- could conceivably be a Soviet country uh, does seem to be dressed in grays and browns oh, yeah. and, you know, very muted. It's like, hmm, I wonder what they're saying there. But that could be the writers reinforcing a stereotype. Yeah, the director probably said, okay, you know, you know the clothes rack for the wardrobe guys to use. Yeah. Eastern Bloc clothes. Go. Yeah. Gray. <laughs> those little fur caps. Those two. Yeah, yeah those. exactly. Um, Shiny boots. But no, it definitely. I mean, it's not just the fact that they were speaking Russian. They did give the name of the country. But I mean, they hired a guy who's got the eyebrows to make him look like Brezhnev. And then he also talked about the fact that he was in charge of the country, but that there was the um, their satellite countries. Yes. So there's no doubt. Yeah, exactly. Is right. Whatever country no that is be. Russia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's, you know, in our in our block. Yeah. Of satellite countries. At least we so, call them protectorates. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all the middle of the oceans. So. Uh, hey, you know, it's good for military bases. Got to have those military bases. Mm-hmm. Like otherwise, I mean, if we had an invisible man, we wouldn't need any of them. But hey, get an invisible take ships. over the world with just one guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Call back to the last episode there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, you could. You could. <laughs> so um, now here's where it gets to be the comedy of errors. His girlfriend? Would you would you go so far as to say that was she supposed to be his paramour? No, I don't. I don't think so. I was Do doctors that, kiss their patients much? No, I, I, no, they shouldn't. Okay. Uh, but I think this was more of a uh, she like grandpa saw yeah saw her she saw him as a father figure type thing, and and wanted to protect him with that sort of uh, ferocity that one would. So he sneaks out, mm-hmm. goes to the United States to get the surgery. He is the leader of the unfree world and um <clears throat> she she zings along no i know best because she didn't know about it so she she follows him over there and 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 amazing and she then, can get out of the country so easily too yeah and she actually injects him with a chemical and knocks him out with the intent to kidnap him oh jeez, yeah oh man 
<laughs> How was that going to end well for her? Uh, no. I mean, he's got to no wake way. up at the other end. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, unless he truly is benevolent, and in that case, how he's remained a leader is a total mystery. But, you know, no, he'd have another doctor pretty quick. But it doesn't matter, because it's all just a setup for Kolchak to have the opportunity to try to kill him, because he's young, and that guy's old, and it's a new dawn of power transferred to the leadership, and... Um, and we can make it look like the Americans killed him, which, you know, it's always it's always in vogue to uh, to make it think that the Mer- the Americans killed you somehow in some sort of medical situation. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> we have Dan and, and this one felt obviously they were stretching this one out, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you didn't say whether you liked it or not. Uh, it was an OK episode. OK. Yeah. It goes, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Dan tries to convince Nick, it does convince Nick, to use his new super high-tech dermaplast, which he never leaves home without. Of course not. Why? We're not going to think Why? about it. Why? No, no, no. Who knows? He's got his new dermaplast that has a set skin color that's just about right. And this stuff sets in 10 minutes. So he's going to make a mask of Rogan's unconscious face. Mm-hmm. Then put that mask on Dan. Put Dan's mask on Roach. Yeah. Swap them out. While Dan is then taken to the Union of Surrogate Soviets. Yes. <laughs> Who then presumably, I guess, he'll slip off his, uh, you know, the idea is to slip off his Rojan mask and just leave mm-hmm. somewhere along the line. Unfortunately, they don't have time to do that. So that's that was just a weird scene. He starts painting it on and then, nope, no, we don't have time. Tear it off and then end of that subplot. Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm not sure why they did that other than to pad out the episode. It kind of felt or like it to me. Since now, Dr. if that Nick dermaplast there, had to have him, if that dermaplast sitting on the floor had been a plot point later on, then mm-hmm. that would have been okay. Yeah. But but it wasn't, and uh, um, so Dan has to uh, because things are his plan of anesthetizing an entire floor full of people with a cylinder of experimental. Anesthesia. I, I appreciated the fact that when he said, oh, I'll just get some anesthesia gas and put them in. And the doctor mm-hmm. says, no, you wouldn't be able to do that. Yep. Not enough. And then he goes, but there's some experimental stuff on the fourth floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, kill them more likely. There's a reason you're supposed to have an anesthesiologist that like knows what he's doing to administer this stuff. Because uh, it turns out uh, anesthesia kills if not properly dosed. Yes. Yeah, you're, it's it's quite dangerous, and there's all sorts of things that can happen to you when you're under. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> so um, uh, uh, the fact that he just opens a cylinder, which walks through the hallways unaccosted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I swear, sure Dan. If I were doing that, okay. If I were if I were working that canister, it's on wheels. Mm-hmm. Right? He's he is going through mostly empty canisters. I would keep it next to the wall. Yeah. At all times. Because if you stop, it looks like somebody left it there. Right, exactly. If you leave it in the middle of the floor where he's coming down the middle of the hallway, somebody's going to go, what the hell? But (laughs) if it's on the side, they might think somebody left it there for a moment or and Mm -hmm. then might leave it unaccosted. So I don't get that. Now, you know, that part was okay. Uh, When he was driving the... uh, uh, electric wheelchair later yes. on invisibly through a crowd of people and no <laughs> one seemed to notice i i think that's because he had been uh subjected to that uh Plural, that, that, yeah whatever that stuff was um triple vodka uh, or triple, uh, vodka, triple martini or martini depending, depending on, on which side of the ocean yeah. you're on yes um yes, yes dan I mean, was drunk and invisible in this episode. right so he's being unusually reckless yes yeah. He's talking to people while he's invisible. He's, he's mm-hmm. driving. He's driving drunk. Exactly. Driving, driving drunk, drunk and invisible. So, and yeah. invisible. Um, so, but uh, all to give a distraction so that uh, Nick can get uh, Rogan to the operating sur- surgery to um, to perform the surgery in secret because, damn it, I promised that I would do that surgery for him. 
And if that means me kidnapping him back from his kidnappers, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be- do that. I think it's because uh, he figured that there was actually a chance for reform in their country. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, at the end, um, actually, according to the newspaper, they uh, mm-hmm. he did do the things he said he would. Yeah, it was quite impressive. Which it was, and I also was wondering how they were going to solve the problem of making him look 10 years younger, and the answer is... His probably his headshot from ten years ago, exactly. printed in the newspaper, which you know, okay, fair enough, it worked, it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been from twenty years ago because it definitely looked nineteen fifties. But uh, yeah, that yeah. was a that was definitely a fifties style photo. The lighting and was a, definitely yeah, and a poke at uh, Soviet uh, press. It's a, Comrade uh, Ro- Chairman Rogin has returned from two weeks at a. People's rest and recreation spa, looking ten years younger. <laughs> mm-hmm. Putting aside, uh, putting aside rumors that he may be unwell or unfit to leave the country. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was. It, it was yeah, it was an all right episode. It was, uh, and, and and oddly enough, the last thing is is that the clay resource has never been put to a better use, and that may be true. That may literally be true of all the things that the clay resource has done. Mm-hmm. Boosting participation in the UN, ending arms sales mm-hmm. uh, to the Middle East, releasing political prisoners. Yeah, all of those that's... things had a, a huge impact. Um, and none of it had to do with people calling on the clay resource through official channels. It all had to do with Nick Maggio, the last known man uh, that knows what the secret is, apart from the three of them. Well, and the crazy guy. Two oh, crazy yeah, well, guys. Well, yeah, I see crazy guy Morgan doesn't know what it is, though. He doesn't know he's invisible. If he did, he would have told Pike. Pike oh, would good have point. Known. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, they, they had kept that. And, you know, the sisters still didn't know. And they were all in the room when Dan was doing his invisible stuff with Morgan. So, uh, yeah, they should have. They didn't figure it out. So, uh, you know, what was I just going to say? I think there was another bit of foreshadowing there, but I can't remember what it was now. Oh well. <laughs> oh oh yeah, it was the name check to Nick Maggio. Mm-hmm. We we got a name check uh, last week or the week before. It said only four people in the world know this secret: Kate, oh, Dan, right. I, and Nick Maggio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that was probably a, I think that was a couple couple weeks ago. So yeah, yeah. So they were they were setting us up for this episode. This was like the the grand finale. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know that I have anything on it. Um, anything else in this particular episode? Um, let's see, I got my notes. Uh, the airplane was not a seven four seven. Oh a, yeah, I guess they flew to Chicago. Yeah, quick shot. I think it was a, a Lockheed TriStar L ten eleven, but I'm not sure. It was only on the screen for a couple seconds. Yeah, you're not going to take yeah. a seven forty seven to a crummy airport like no, Chicago. Jeez. I mean, Chicago took some digs in this episode, more than once. <laughs> um, one of which is we didn't fly as a 747 to get there. Yep. Surprised they didn't have to take one of those old prop planes that they flew mm-hmm. in the 30s. Um. Um, I did look up a little bit of information about the uh, writer, one of the writers on this, a guy named Leslie Stevens. He wrote the previous oh, yeah. episode as well. And uh, apparently that guy has a lot of science fiction credits to his name. Oh, yeah. Leslie Stevens is uh, uh, the Outer Limits. Yeah. And uh, Buck Rogers, which yep. you know, I'll forgive him for that. Um, I like Buck Rogers. Well, yeah, I did too when I was Buck eight. Rogers. Okay. I still like season <laughs> one of Buck Rogers. Yeah, that's much better than any of the. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of interesting. So, and I th- and uh, apparently it's on his Wikipedia page it says he's got a, or had a, a, a interest in science and uh, he was the director of the movie The Incubus 1966 <laughs> which starred William Shatner it was the second film to use Esperanto yes <laughs> of which there are three uh, and uh... <laughs> I only know of the one I only knew of the one. I'm just guessing that there must be three. If there was a second, then there must be a third. Probably, you know, maybe. Incubus yeah, maybe. Yeah, the only other one, yeah. Athray of Incubus A. 
Yeah. Wait, no, no, that was the no, pig Latin yeah. film. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if we have nothing else on this episode, then let's just take a quick uh, overview of the series as we come to the end of the Invisible Man, mm-hmm. a show. I'll remind listeners that I had seen in 1975 when I was <clears throat> years old, and uh, and not at all since until we watched this. Yeah. My recollection of the Invisible Man was almost nothing. I remember the mask and I remember David McCallum and I don't remember any of the other. I don't remember Kate or, or Walter or the Clay Resource. I just I just kind of remember the bits with him ripping his head off. And so this this series I am going into incredibly cold. I I could not not there was nothing that happened in any of these episodes at all that I go, oh, I remember that. Nothing, right? And then, then, you know, that's not true of other shows of the era. Six Million Dollar Man, remember lots of it when I did my recent watch through on it. So uh, I think it's probably because this show is not a science fiction program, apart from the fact there's an invisible man in it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is just a ordinary hero with a special power. Yeah, kind of a spy show or something like that. Yeah, when this originally aired, I would have been between six and seven years old, and I have never seen this show before. In fact, I was getting it mixed up with another show with an invisible guy called Gemini Man. Gemini Man. And, uh, yeah, I remember a little bit of that. I remember more about the Gemini Man than I do about the Invisible Man, and I know they're the same vintage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean... I. I knew that David McCallum had been in a show where he was the Invisible Man. But up until this point, I have never seen videos of it or anything, you know, let alone a, a DVD release. Uh, so, yeah, totally cold. No clue. Didn't know what I was going to be in for. <laughs> I, I definitely would not put this on my list of, hey, must-see science fiction shows. No, um, unless you're and... a real big David McCallum fan. Yeah. And, and I mean, it has a few things going for it. And I think they probably could have, Melinda they could have made it work. Melinda Fee was, was definitely a a high point there. Yeah. The, the, the show could have, the show could have been, you know, like the incredible Hulk, right? I mean, it's, it's got that wild premise, but it's really just about people, a guy, a kind guy helping Mm -hmm. people. Yep. And there's a lot of room or there was a lot of room for television like that in that era. It just had to, it had to fire the imagination or touch the people. And despite the fact that there's some good things in this one, I, you know, obviously it just didn't, it, it, it just didn't catch with people. And I don't know why I, I don't think Dan's particularly likable. He's not unlikable, but you know, you put him in, using the Incredible Hulk as a, as a comparison, Bill Bixby is just a likable guy. Mm-hmm. You put him in anything and everybody likes him. It just, you know, just like Monty Markham isn't going to be that way. Bill Bixby always is a likable guy. And David McCallum is somewhere in the spectrum between the two, but he's not, he's not that. And I think that might have something to do with it. Um, he, he's so much better as as Steel in Sapphire and Steel, cold and not very friendly. It it it, it suits him. It suits him far better. So I think that might have been it. Uh, I wonder if it was an expensive show because of the high tech special effects. It probably was, yeah. And it just it just didn't uh, it didn't fly. Yep. So, uh, but we have knocked off another. <laughs> childhood memory for some of us anyway yeah for yours of uh tv shows that i'm sure i thought was the end all to be all when i was a kid or or maybe not and uh and it was it was not that <laughs> all right um next time when john and i are back talking we are going to fix a problem 
that's been bugging me about this podcast since 2013. We are going to finally, once and for all, we are going to take a look over two episodes, the final two episodes that we never addressed of The Man from Atlantis. So, it's going to be exciting. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that I would recommend that you go back and listen to our podcast on The Man from Atlantis because um, uh, those were some early, early podcasts. And uh, I, I can't listen to them because they embarrass me. Although, uh, you know, once we've completed uh, these two, then, then I will be putting them on the Fusion Patrol Classics YouTube channel, so, which is the reason we're finishing it off, so that it can be, a, it can be a, a, a complete set for people to discover anew and learn all about this amazing show. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, John. Yes, <laughs> I am looking forward to it as well. <laughs> no, it should be fine. I I do remember that series, and I liked it quite a bit as a kid. And uh, and I've watched a couple of the episodes already to kind of get back in the the whole feel of it. And first yeah, couple pilots, yeah, yeah, a couple pilots and multiple pilots, which is weird. But oh well, we'll go with it. Four pilots, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So yeah, it'll be in- interesting to see what the episodes are like. So uh, thank you for joining me, John. Oh, you're very welcome. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time on Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the Bugs episode, Down Among the Dead Men. Come join the conversation.